Y'all stand and worship with us. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I cling. In His blessed presence live, ever to praise Him sing. Love so mighty and so true, there's my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to to Him belong. I said, Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Have been lifted by the love of Christ this week. Has His love lifted you up? Well, I want you to do me one favor. I want you to smile and I want you to sing like He lifted you up this week. Oh, we can sing the words and we can do the motions, but it's got to be down here in your heart. Amen. On this, on the third verse, I think is what it is. That's right. Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry ways. He's the master of the sea, fills with hill obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved. Today I said, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Calvary. 
Ridge Mountain, he took my place. And someday, some glorious morning, I shall see him face to face, all because of God's amazing It's all because of God's amazing grace. Because on Calvary's mountain, He took my place. And someday, some glorious morning, I shall see Him face to face. All because of God's amazing Around God's throne We'll praise our Redeemer and King We'll tell how His mercy For sin did atone Through countless ages This song we'll sing And this all because of my place, and someday, some glorious morning, I shall see him face to face, all because of God's amazing
as AC said, I think it was two nights ago, we bring him with us. It's not like we have to get here and he shows up, right? We bring him with us. So if we could just sing again the first two verses. Sing with us, please, and worship with us. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're all living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. the altar is is open the spirit is moving the song talks about letting us experience the presence of the Spirit. And the uh, passage of Scripture that A.C. started off with was Isaiah. And Isaiah was lifted up and he saw the angels. But the glory of God was in the temple and it filled the temple with a smoke This place of worship is full of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, uh, you know, the altar is open, but if you're not here at the altar right now, I would ask for you to close your eyes. Forget about what time you got up this morning and went to work. Forget about what time you have to get up tomorrow to go to work. 
Forget about the stresses of the day. Think about the fact that you are in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. And He is here for you so that you can experience His love, His mercy, and His glory. He's here for us. Just close your eyes and picture God's glory filling this sanctuary. Picture His mighty power all around you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence, for your Holy Spirit that is here with us. We can sense it. We can feel it. It is tangible for us tonight. We see evidence of its work in our lives. We see the evidence of it in the lives of the people that's around us. Help us. Help us to be able to see. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us to see what you would have for us to see. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are here. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to be in God's house tonight, isn't it? Can you feel his presence? You know, a lot of times we come into sanctuary and we expect the same old, same old. But if you go to a ball game, you don't expect it. When your home team runs out, what do you do? You stand and cheer, don't you? To the top of your lungs. But I got a champion tonight, folks. He's better than any ball team around. He's better than the Gamecocks. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
And we need to be standing and cheering for him all the time. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention. I want to introduce to you in this corner of the good and the right stands a champion robed in white. His height exceeds the heavens his weight outweighs the world. His reach reaches everywhere. His age is evermore. He is higher than the highest, greater than the grace, and no one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest, who reigns from above. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. He left his hometown to enter this arena Raise his hands in victory for me. An angry crowd cried, Crucify the king who wore the crown. And they gladly watched their champion go down. Well, I will never count him out, for I'm a witness of. The day he rose to retain the title, champion of love. He is higher than the highest, greater than the great, and no one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest, he reigns from above. Greater than the great, and no one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest, he reigns from above. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion, all-time undisputed, undefeated champion. All-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love, of
First, let me say thank you for inviting us to come and allowing us to come, um, especially being Peggy's brother and <laughs> y'all trusted them to let us come and we really do appreciate being with each and every one of you and have enjoyed our time immensely here. Um, sometimes uh, when you're even walking in God's will and you're walking in his presence, things can become overwhelming and uh, I think we're in part of that uh, mode right now, even with the ministry that uh, we are involved in. And uh, you think you've seen it all, and um, you're on your knees again asking the Lord to work in whatever way He sees fit and using you in whatever way He sees fit. Um, so we would ask for your prayer support. Uh, in the ministry that we do, we we um, are intentional interim pastors. We uh, get sent from church to church, uh, helping them find a healthy ground uh, before their next pastor comes. Sometimes uh, uh, we're around for nine months. Sometimes we're around for 12 to 13 months. And um, we specifically uh, uh, work towards that direction for churches so that when their next pastor comes uh, full-time that, that uh, they would be in a healthier place than they had been before. And sometimes that's not always easy. As you know, change is very hard. And uh, so uh, even when you're in the midst of God's presence and you're living as you ought and you've surrendered everything to Him, sometimes life just doesn't go as you planned and had hoped. And sometimes we're struck with the reality, right, of life, of things that uh, don't go our way, and we struggle. And I want to speak to that tonight, this last service, uh, to um, encourage you with hope that even in God's presence, there is a spiritual optimism. You know what an optimist is. Um, maybe you've been, uh, your school counselor asked you, um, do you think that uh, when you pour a half a glass of water, is it half full or half empty? And um, when you would respond, they could tell pretty quick that you were even uh, an optimist or, uh, or a pessimist is what we would call it. An optimist is this, someone who has hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. It's like the little boy who headed home once he got his report card. He showed it to his father, and as um, I'm sure um, you might have heard, I, I definitely heard it coming out of my parents' mouth, um, uh, how come some of your grades are so poor. Have you heard that before? They just didn't quite measure up. I even had a principal, and if you can believe this, where's Peggy at? Is she out of here for a minute? Uh, you could tell her this. I even had a principal in high school there in Lincoln County up in North Carolina tell me, AC, why can't you be more like your sister and your brother? I'm not kidding. 
I was not the best student. I didn't make the best grades. But this little boy, he headed on home, and he showed his report card to his father. And his father said, young man, what do you have to say for yourself about these poor grades? And he said, Dad, I wish I had the courage to say this to my dad. He said, but Dad, you can be proud of one thing. What's that, son? I didn't cheat. Let that sink in for a minute. I didn't cheat. That's an optimist right there for you, isn't it? They know how to turn that situation around. How do you do that with the world, at least in our country right now, with each other at our throats? Do you know what I mean? You can't turn on the news and see the latest head, uh, headlines with, with people that are yelling at each other and angry at each other. And life is just getting very, very difficult even as a nation How do we push through being a spiritual optimist? Well, let's look at the other side. A pessimist is what? Those are people, um, sometimes I call them joy suckers. They walk into a room and they just suck the joy right out of it. You know who I'm talking about? Some of you are looking at your spouses, right? A pessimist is it has a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen, a lack of hope or confidence in the future. We have a, depending on which news broadcast you watch on cable news, actually all of them, it doesn't matter which one you news. Somebody is definitely... This is the worst it could be, and it just does not seem to get any better. There's a gentleman that put this together. It's called the Chisholm Effect. thought this was pretty interesting. He was a college professor at Winston State College in River Falls, Wisconsin. This is what he wrote. The first law of human interaction is this. If anything can go wrong, it will. Corollary, if anything just can't go wrong, it will anyway. Pessimism. The second law is this. When things are going well, something will go wrong. When things are going well, something will go wrong. Corollary one, when things just can't get any worse, they will. Corollary two, anytime things appear to be going better, you've overlooked something. It's not as good as you think it is. Here's the third law of human interaction. Purposes as understood by the purposer will be judged otherwise by others. Corollary one. If you explain so clearly that nobody can misunderstand, somebody will. Corollary two. If you do something which you are sure will meet with everybody's approval, somebody won't like it. 
You know what I mean? Corollary three, procedures devised to implement the purpose won't quite work. In corollary four, no matter how long or how many times you explain, no one is listening anyway. You've been there and done that? <laughs> I'm going to tell Peggy you said that. Optimism. Sometimes it leaves us and we get lonely and we get discouraged and we just feel like Satan is beating us up like you wouldn't believe, don't we? Sometimes, unfortunately, we think Satan has the same power that God does because Satan does rule in the uh, uh, our current reality, but he also does work in the spiritual realm as well. And sometimes we think, well, he, he, he's got the same attributes of God, that Satan can be anywhere all the time, but he can't be. He doesn't have those attributes of God. Satan is not all-powerful. So sometimes I have to tell my congregation, build a bridge and get over it. It's okay. Why can I say that? Because Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on his way. And that is the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope of the resurrection, that he's going to return the second time. We can be assured of that. And because of that, then we can live with hope. We can live with courage. We can walk forward. We can continue in life, even through the struggles, even through the disappointment and concerns that we have, the hope of the resurrection, that Jesus will return and we will be with him. We will be with him. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. There of salvation, purchase of God, born of his feet. Washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. 
fix a vision all is at rest I am my Savior am happy and blessed watching and waiting looking above filled with his goodness lost in his love this is my story oh this is my I say Light of heaven bursting through. Oh, what a glorious day. Yes, my King is coming soon. He will roll the clouds away. Light of heaven bursting through. And on that glorious day, this is my story. Yes, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, yes, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. find it in the book of 1 Samuel where we're headed tonight to finish this out. We've been talking about the presence of God and what that means when we are in his presence. So find 1 Samuel chapter 17, would you? 1 Samuel chapter 17. And you'll see we're going to look at a very, very familiar passage of Scripture The story of David when he faces Goliath. 
And I do want to ask you to stand, if you would, as we read this passage together. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Just one verse. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would just uh, renew our spirits and our lives in you again tonight that you would open our ears as never before, that you would challenge us as never before, Lord God, that you would give us new insight, new freshness tonight. Because, Lord, when we leave this place, the reality of life is just that. It's not easy. And, Lord, we need your presence wherever we go. So, God, we just want you Lord, to bless us with your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You, you know some of the backstory. The Philistines and the Israelites had always been against each other, and they were at odds this day as every other day. And the nine foot tall Philistine who was leading the Philistine, at least if he wasn't a commander, he, they sure put the guy up front just because of his stature, you know what I mean? Big man up front, and he was there. I don't know if he had brothers or not, any family or not, but Goliath had come out as the Israelites would come out, and the challenge was set forth. Goliath said, you send your best warrior out here and he defeats me. I'll lay it down and we'll lay all of our swords down. We'll submit to you Israelites, but if I beat them, y'all got to do the same for us. You remember the time even way, way before this when King Saul got introduced to the Philistines. And King Saul himself saw his army fleeting. The prophet Samuel had told him, now wait, don't go into battle. The Lord's blessing needs to be upon you. And Saul got a little, little nervous, you know, because he saw his guys checking out, running in the caves. King Saul engaged the Philistines, and they were ruthless. He got chastised for it. King Saul did. So the next time we find him, he's camping out, lounging around underneath the pomegranate tree. He's waiting on somebody to come bless this thing before he gets engaged, but the blessing had already been given. But he failed to engage. And you remember his son, 
Jonathan began to think to himself, why are we sitting here? God's given us the battle. Why are we sitting here waiting around for this? And he tells his armor bearer, and we'll call him Fred. Hey, Fred, are you in with me? I, I, God's got this thing wrapped up. I, 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 let's go engage the battle. And Fred was a good armor bearer, and he, okay, whatever, whatever you say, Jonathan, we'll, we'll, we'll jump in. What's the plan? Jonathan said, I have no idea, no plan. Let's just go. God's, God's got this done. He said, if you need a plan, in fact, well, let's, the, the, the Philistines are on the high ground, and anybody knows in battle, that's the place you need to be. And the Philistines are there, and Jonathan and the armor bearer are on the low ground, and, and his father, by the way, is still back there snoozing underneath the pomegranate tree. And Jonathan tells the armor bearer, hey, if they call us to come up there, uh, let's go. And sure enough, the mighty Philistines started laughing at the two little Israelites down there in the cliff. Hey, you two boys down there. Y'all want to be men? You come on up here. We'll give you a good beating. Come on up. Jonathan says, uh, hey, Fred, let's go. And with all of his might, on his knees and on his hands, crawling up that cliff with every bit of assurance that God is going to work in his midst, somehow Jonathan makes it to the top, Fred is right there with him, and they wipe out 20 Philistines just like that. His dad, King Saul, is still underneath the pomegranate tree. But somebody wakes up and notices immediately there's some commotion going on and Jonathan, that little rug rat, is not here. What did he do? Saul looks across the way and sees just this mass chaos. God's presence is evidence and real. And they wipe them all out that day. Israelite wins. But here they are again. A new challenge. A new adversary. And Goliath. And Saul is sitting on his throne, shaking in his boots. What are we going to do? What, not learning anything in his previous experience, once again, he's inactive. Maybe even the ultimate pessimist. This just is not going to go well. King David, or not King David, but David, as a young boy, comes along and says, um, Y'all, why is this giant taunting you? Uh, we're the Israelites who serve the Lord God Almighty. Why are you all shaking with this guy? Don't you know that God has given these people in our hands? I'll go out and fight the Philistine, Goliath. I'll, I'll go take care of this. Better yet, I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to go and let's see what God does. And wouldn't you know it, once again, King Saul says, 
okay. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Okay, we'll let this young guy go out there. We can learn something through David of what it is to be in God's presence. And the highest mountain, the deepest valley that is in front of you is not a thing before the Lord God Almighty. We say it, but do you believe it? Do you know it? For real, in the midst of your struggle, do you know that God is almighty and powerful? It's like the time when I walked into the church there in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and as I did every day, I was a little concerned, um, and, and so I would go to the altar, and this day it was just kind of over some financial things, and I just laid out there in front of the altar and began to, to, to cry out to the Lord, Lord, you, you got to take care of this for us, and, and uh, we, we need some help. We're struggling here, God. You, we need some money really quick. God, can you take care of this for us? And, and uh, as, as if he had never done anything like that for us in the past, and my cell phone rings I usually turned it off or at least put it on vibrate and uh, I had it on and I answered it uh, maybe our ship just came in you know somebody might call us and, hey AC we got a couple of thousand dollars for you come get it we're sending it in the mail whatever that's what I was looking for now, on the other end was the secretary for the bus company I worked for. And she says, AC, are you free? And I said, Brandy, yes, I am. She said, we need you to come drive a bus. We forgot about some students that we need to go pick up. And see, so you didn't get paid unless you worked. I said, Brandy, I'll be right there. Stuck that phone in my pocket. And as if I'm standing here today, I said, Lord, I was really expecting the check in the mail. I wasn't expecting to go have to work <laughs> for your blessing. You know what I mean? We can learn some things from this young guy, this young teenager, if he was that. And the optimism that he had that God would do anything at any time and that God had their best interest at heart, just like he has yours and I. Well, what did it take? Here's just a couple of things maybe for you to identify with these things. If you read there in some verses after that through um, verses 37 through 40, you'll find out real quick that as David is making his plea with King Saul, oh, I'll go fight this this. Um, this giant in Saul has a little reservation where you're just a boy or you're just a young guy. You, you can't do this. And, and, and David says, well, I've had some preparation. I've had some experience with these things. You know, I take care of my dad's sheep. And while I'm out in the field, the bear comes and the lion comes to, like the Scripture says, comes to devour. And... Um, when they show up, <laughs> boy, God's Spirit came upon me and I just ripped the lion's jaws apart. I duked it out with the bear. 
why would God be any different in this circumstances? I'm prepared for this. I would have to ask the question, are we prepared for any of the adversities that we face? Well, pastor, we, we don't know what they are. We don't have a clue. We have no idea when we set foot out of this place what is going to come. But how about all of those experiences and every one of us in this room, in this sanctuary, have had plenty of experiences where God has come through, where God has worked. We know he's been real. He knows he's been strong. And all of a sudden we get in front of another adversary and we completely forgot those things. But David didn't. He was prepared. How do you prepare? Same thing as the other night. Are you in the Word of God? Are you around people that encourage you in the faith? Uh, some of you may read your Bible three or four hours a day. Um, Lisa and I are a little bit different. I, I, I usually got to read something a day, about a chapter a day. Uh, Lisa, she'll take one verse and, and she'll overanalyze that thing for a stinking year. But boy, she's got it down. She's experienced it. She's lived it. You see. How about your prayer life? I wish I could have been a prayer warrior back in the day. Some, somehow these people have four and five hours a day to pray. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I barely squeeze out 15 minutes while I'm driving a bus with a load full of kids. I've been praying so much that I was, I was headed out to go pick up kids and I done passed their stop, kept on going. I was 20 miles down the road. Overcomes the radio. AC, where are you at? The kids are waiting at the bus stop. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I was praying. Well, quit your praying and get... Picking those kids up. Uh, are you prepared? Uh, all these things that you've gone through in the past, uh, God's encouraged you through them, you've worked through them. Or are you prepared for the next thing? Whatever that might be. It's Henry Blackaby that wrote this little bit about Spiritual preparation. If you are spiritually prepared when a crisis comes, you will not have to try to develop instantly the quality of relationship with Christ that can sustain you. If you suddenly have an opportunity to share your faith with an unbeliever, you'll be equipped to do so. If you enter a time of worship spiritually prepared, you will not miss an encounter with God. If you are spiritually filled when you meet a person in sorrow, you will have much to offer. If you have established safeguards in your life in advance, and as I spoke last night, you will not give in to temptation. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Because I'm telling you, Satan's still got some power, even though that it's limited. He's still working through anything he can to get you and I off course. Are we prepared? David, David was prepared. 
And he knew those things before that he had experienced would help him through the adversities that would come. If you read a little bit further, you would find out that, that David was very aware of Goliath. He was very aware of this monstrous being in front of him, being a young boy. And you remember as, as King Saul said, well, well, well here, let, let, let me put some of this armor on you. And he got all of that kind of stuff on him. And, and David couldn't even walk, couldn't even turn around. And he shed it as fast as he could. And he says, look, I'm not used to this stuff. Let, let me just go, go do what I do. Okay, Saul. And he goes out to the creek and picks up five stones. He's got them ready with his sling. And Goliath comes out there and tosses him. Wait a minute, you Israelites, you warriors, send a little boy to do a man's job. And he comes at me with sticks, no doubt. You know David was very aware. He didn't stick his head in the sand like King Saul, like the whole army of Israel. Oh, this isn't a big deal. As long as we just be quiet, this problem will go away. How many of you tried that? I tried that. If I don't even speak it, it, it won't happen. That's a bunch of baloney. If I don't even lift my, sometimes I walk through life with my head down, church, I'm telling you, because I I just have this thing. If I don't see you coming, then I'm not going to have to worry about it. Oh, everything's just fine all the time. We don't have any battles to fight. Don't Don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. And we've got Satan that is working and his evil spirits that are working harder than ever, 24-7 on you and I, trying to get us to turn our backs from God, not even kneeling at the foot of the cross, even if we hadn't been there. David was very aware. Are you very aware that there are difficulties? And I know we've heard it in the past. I've heard it too. Become a Christian and everything's going to be just rosy for the rest of your life. How many of you experienced that? And that's just fine because you need to come tell me because that's not what I've experienced. Because Satan is still coming. Are you aware that there are difficulties? David was aware. Let me share something that Blackaby said again, and I I take this with a grain of salt. He said, It is impossible to stand in the presence of God and be a pessimist. Think about that for a minute. When we are in his presence, are we so focused on him that we know he can take care of anything? Or do we still doubt sometimes? I still doubt. I 
I still have that pessimist attitude. God, this is just too much for you. I'd like to see how you're going to work this out. Aware of our difficulties. If they haven't come, they're coming. Are you aware? And the last thing is this, and let me wrap this up. David definitely had confidence in the power of God. I said it before. If you keep reading in 46 through 50, you know the story. You heard it in Sunday school. You've heard it sometime. That David, as Goliath was approaching, David ran the other direction, right? <laughs> he ran right at him with that sling slinging as fast as he could. And with one stone, he shot that thing in the air, hit Goliath right in the noggin, and the giant fell. He had not a sight. He was not in the proper perspective. He was not fighting somebody that was smaller than him. All the while running, mind you. How many can do two things at once? Well, We say we multitask, but do we really? Yeah, I can drive and drink coffee going down the road. No, you can't, because I see you all doing that. (laughs) I can talk on my phone and drive down the road. No, you can't do that either. I've seen that too. It doesn't bode well. We're usually the ones cutting everybody else off because we're trying to get out of your way. But David was, he just had so much confidence. This young guy had so much in confidence. Do you have that kind of confidence in God? That he would take care of everything, any problem, any situation. It was the pastor Chuck Swindoll that said every problem is an opportunity to prove God's power. Every day we encounter countless golden opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insurmountable problems. It was A.W. Tozer who said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. Great. Evangelist Charles Spurgeon says, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire. We are useless. David had confidence in God's power. He was in God Almighty's presence. He knew it was available. He knew that God would work as he'd done before. His circumstances and life prepared him for that. He was aware of the difficulty, but he was more aware of God's power. And this young boy completely surrendered his life to the Lord. You know he did. The rules of nature would say that was totally wrong. How in the world could a young man like that survive? 
against a man and the problem of Goliath. Just as David moved ahead, running with all his might, I would encourage us to do the same thing. You know that the adversity is coming. You know that we live in a fallen world that is full of sin. You know that even our loved ones are not always going to make the right choices that we wish that they would make. We can't even handle the choices we make. Uh, it's like sometimes um, we see the mud puddle and we see the problem, and, and what do we do? Oh, we just back up 10 feet, John, don't we? And we get a run and start, and then we just jump right in the middle of it. We forget about what the presence of God can do for us. And the optimism that David displayed was beautiful. Do you trust God that much? Do you love him that much? It's not going to get any easier. But I would urge you this evening, put your whole trust. Isn't it fitting that to possess the power of God, you've got to completely release all the power that you yourself have? You've got to completely surrender yourself to his will, to who he is. But yet, I need to hold on to this, Pastor AC. I, I've got to handle this. and I, God's just not working like I want him to work. And, and, but to receive his power and for his power to work in us and through us, we've got to totally submit. We've got to totally surrender every part of our being. Are you that confident in God that he would have your best interest at heart, that he would know you that well, that he would be able to handle any situation that's in front of you, that you're aware of and that you have no ideas even coming? I'd ask you to stand tonight. And Robbie, would you come and let's sing that chorus one more time. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do everything, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Are you that confident in God? This altar is open. If you would like to come, I, I, I would just encourage you to come tonight. If you've done it before, do it again. Resurrender your life to the Lord. If you have not done it at all, then come to this altar. Submit your life to Him. If you need to renew that commitment, come and do that as they sing for a minute.
someone else and, and maybe several of you maybe this would be fitting for us to if you can be here and you're able to come and uh, 
stand or kneel up front here and as we uh, just close our time out together that uh, uh, we would do it in a unified way and uh, Pastor John you, you uh, uh, pray over us and, and work this out but would you would you come